What's up, everybody? It's Jeffrey Lyles. You're listening to Lyles Movie Files. Tonight, I'm breaking down NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. And we've had St. Valentine's Day Massacre. We've had Vengeance. They just decided to throw them all into one TakeOver special. While the title's kind of sketchy, the show was amazing. So much great stuff. I think the bottom point of these takeovers in the last year was when Karrion Cross beat my boy Keith Lee for the title just kind of sent everything in a tailspin fortunately the brand the black and gold brand has got the ship straight things are so much better and it is definitely the highlight of the three NX or three WWE brands so let's take a look at this show we started off with the finals of the Dusty Classic for the women and that was Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez versus Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. Now this match was really unusual because it kind of flipped the whole hot tag with the heel team and the face team dynamic where it was more of a case where the faces were the ones who were being very methodical, wearing down Dakota Kai who was kind of basically playing Ricky Morton and Raquel Gonzalez was just sitting on the side waiting for the hot tag because when she was in she dominated and then finally they took out the smaller and weaker opponent and it was just this matter of keeping her on the sidelines really interesting twist on this now there were a couple of botches a couple of times where they had some miscommunication but I really didn't care because I, I was invested in both of these teams this was kind of a holdover from war games where we had half of the teams facing off each other facing off against each other in the tournament final and it was really a case where either one winning would have made sense if Shotzi and Ember Moon won then you've got obvious people to go against Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler because you got the heel face dynamic but also if, if Gonzalez and Kai win this rewards Kai for kind of holding it down in the division for so long Gonzalez is on a hot streak she's she's dominated the division with everybody she's fought and they're basically the only consistent core tag team in NXT's women division so I like this I like the idea of these two teams going against each other I thought the match over delivered it exceeded my expectations it's a lot of fun I read some complaints that people thought it went a little too long but I don't know I like the way it was this real back and forth and give and take between the two teams and I think they made the right call, giving the win, the trophy, and the number one slot for the, the women's tag team titles to Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. This keeps their momentum going. And I think, honestly, just the way the situations work out better in NXT, an NXT women's tag team makes more sense than a brand that travels throughout on SmackDown, Raw, maybe occasionally comes to NXT because I think they have more tag teams more natural tag teams than other divisions so hopefully we'll get to see them take the belts and start to do more stuff going forward but yeah I'm a big fan of this match and was really like this was a great way to start the show what's next and then they'd really deliver even more so because we got Johnny Gargano defending his North American Championship against Kushida Gargano has been notorious for winning titles and then promptly losing them in their in his first defense. And now he's got the way and he's really won me over being this obnoxious jerk heel leader of a faction with Candice LeRae, 
Austin Theory. And, and I just, I love this whole dynamic of the way. And this time, Dexter Loomis very sneakily grabs Austin and Johnny is like, whoa, 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 where's my boy to do my non-looking high five with? And he sends the rest of them to the back to find him. And I like this because it's one-on-one. And occasionally when there's a new faction, it's all about everybody interfering and help each other win. And this time we're going to see Johnny defend the title on his own or he's going to lose it because he can't handle the pressure of doing it by himself without anybody else to help him. So we got that story. Kushida is just... I thought when they signed Kushida that was such a big coup for NXT because they were going to waste them on SmackDown or Raw. And NXT is basically their wrestling brand. And they don't need really strong promos. I think what NXT has done that it really should is something that should be done throughout wrestling. They don't try to make Kushida speak in English. They have him talk. Occasionally they'll talk in English, but they'll just use subtitles. Let him talk in his natural language. And it makes so much more sense because the promos sound cooler because he's not trying to sound like he's everything scripted based off of what he's comfortable saying. And these two have really good chemistry in this buildup. They set it up well. Dexter Loomis is kind of had Kushida's back. And Gargano just has to deal with Kushida on his own. This was really good. Two guys going back and forth. Two guys kind of at their top of their game right now. So many counters. So much fun. And so many opportunities where it looked like, yeah, he's about to lose this belt. Or he's about to win the belt. And I just love when Gargano's on. I feel like he is not so much put on onto a lower level. But I think he's been kind of in this, I don't need to break my arm, my back, my neck to do these crazy spectacle matches. And I think this was one where he wasn't doing that. Wasn't a lot of crazy spots, just good wrestling. And these two were able to, to tell a good story of one trying to overcome the other and showing who has a superior submission move. And, you know, you had this story with the arm and both of them trying to go after each other's arm and show who's going to break it for real and it was just really good Gargano actually gets the clean win this time which I also think is important because you want to have your heels occasionally win matches on their own without their you know faction stable mates and not having to cheat because it shows that hey you could do this all the time why do you have to resort to relying on these people so that was good really strong match so for me we're two to two two for two with NXT TakeOver, Vengeance Day. Next up, we get the classic Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic Finals with the Grizzly Young Veterans versus MSK. I'm still very much confused as to why the third member of the Rascals didn't make it. But one thing I have loved about the portrayal of MSK on NXT, they have not faked. They didn't bring them out as this hot new team and have them lose in the first round. They've won all their matches getting up here to the finals obviously and they've set them up in a way where they can be the hot new tag team in NXT getting a shot at only and Lorcan and Danny Burch and now they've just got to beat the GYV I don't like GYV because I think they're such a great classic heel tag team they don't do anything likable they beat teams that you you're rooting for and I think they're such a cool throwback because 
they're not trying to win fans they don't do anything cool they're really obnoxious with the promos and they don't have that oh man that was so cool we really like that move it's just they're bad guys they're heels and they're just annoying and so i love watching them in terms of wrestling i hate them in terms of how often they win their matches and i i felt like watching this yeah they're probably going to let gyv get this one because they lost last year to the bruiser weights and this is like their make good and this one was oh my gosh it was such a a great you know blend of, of skill sets and how they play with each other they had such good chemistry gyv wrestled and they started doing some uncharacteristic like aerial maneuvers while msk started getting more like ground and pound aggressive and fired up and it was really strong the way they were going back and forth and i was like all right come on y'all gotta let msk win right and and gyv had several opportunities where it looked like they had it they did a freaking doomsday device on the outside really well executed msk is one of those teams where they have so much high flying maneuvers where you kind of wonder if they start botching kind of like old school sabu if it would derail their matches and so far in their matches on nxt they have not missed a beat they've been right on top of their moves and everything looks really crisp and wesley really came off well in this match he looked like a superstar and i know it's way too early to start talking about splitting them up hopefully that's way down the road but he's somebody i could really see them pushing really hard to the moon later so they actually get the win and this was really really good stuff and i'm impressed that they let a new team come in put the rocket to them and the best thing about them winning they kind of had an easier road to the finals than gyv so their teams like uh champa and thatcher that they can fight because that'll be a hard-hitting one we're still not really sure which which uh side are they faces their heels so we don't know which way they're gonna go that would be a good matchup gyv of course in a rematch the tag champs naturally undisputed era and we know after the show that that is very much a different matchup at this point lots of opportunities and i think now is probably the time for a tag title switch and that way they can put msk all the way to the top and yeah i'm excited they brought in a new team put the showcase put the spotlight on them and let them win and just and they delivered too it wasn't so much the thing it's like oh well they're pushing them and they're just gonna come through they look good they delivered and it felt like the right call so definitely enjoyed that and we get a video package with cameron grimes who i think is probably like such a smart actually timely thing for the wwe in general they're taking advantage of the GameStop stocks and now Grimes is super loaded and he's got a ton of money and he was already obnoxious but now an obnoxious guy with money makes him even more money so he's going to be great and and I can't wait to see where all they go with this eventually he's going to of course lose all that money and then it'll be back to being the, the poor guy who's obnoxious but Cameron Grimes is really good at what he does and i can't wait to see all the directions all the angles they go with him in the future with him being this rich guy now maybe he'll have a bodyguard maybe he'll start paying off people who knows sky is really the limit with him because he can make anything work 
he's he's one of those guys. He can take 20 losses and still come off bulletproof, still come off like a threat. And I just can't wait to see what they do with him next. So next up, we have the NXT Women's Title Match. Champion E.L. Shirai defends against Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm. This was the one match I wasn't excited about. I feel like I would have rather seen EO versus Tony Storm since they have that established beef where Storm's like the one opponent that EO can't beat or Mercedes versus EO. Basically, I did not want to see a triple threat at this point. But just the way the card laid out, this was the one triple threat. We had two tag teams and then we had three singles matches. So it made sense to do this triple threat and there was enough established beef between the three of them that it kind of worked. It's just the layout of the triple threats. You know, at this stage, it's kind of played out. Two of them will fight, one will rest up for a bit, and back, you know, so forth and so forth. And I feel like we needed a little bit more hatred between Martinez and Storm to really sell those moments when EO was the one on the sidelines. It was more of a thing of, hey, you're, you're costing me this champ, this shot of the championship. Not so much, I hate you and I can't stand you. So... This one was probably the one match that was okay. Like, it wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible or awful. Like, if it was the main event of a regular NXT on Wednesday, I'd feel like, oh, it was a pretty good match. But I think the way it was positioned on this show, in between so many good matches, it worked out just fine. And EO retains the title, which was good, because I hate the triple threats where the champ loses the title, and they don't take the pinfall. See, when Charlotte lost the title... Um, but EO continues on her reign. I'm curious where they go with EO now, if it's a case where she's going to go against uh, Tony Storm, because she was not the one that took that fall, and Storm then goes on to beat her. Um, but I don't know who else is left for EO to fight, so maybe that's Taya, if she comes in now to NXT. That's interesting. But I'm not sure if I want to see Taya as a heel, because I feel like they've kind of got that blonde... Um, sturdy wrestler already in Tony Storm we'll see what happens but this is okay not my favorite definitely my least favorite of the entire show but this again is just a case that the rest of it was so exceptional then our boy Eli Drake finally comes to NXT and he is now known as LA Knight I have been a fan of Eli Drake ever since he debuted on Impact slash TNA when he started hanging out with Drew McIntyre and helping him out. His promos were immediately so much better than Drew McIntyre. I was like, oh, wow, this guy seems like a star. And so I've been following him with interest since then. I think he does pretty well. He's not a, you know, he's not going to give you that five-star match, but he's a good personality. And I think he's a guy like Cameron Grimes who whose ability to talk and cut really good promos will always make him a threat. He's somebody I could see jumping right ahead to become a challenger for the NXT championship. I don't want to spoil it yet in case you haven't watched this all already. Soon, though. Uh, next up, the NXT championship. Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne. I have been a huge fan of Finn Balor slash Prince Devitt when on the Wrestle figure, Figures board, they started showing pictures of this guy who was dressed up in denim carnage face paint i was like who is this dude this stuff looks cool and i was like hey where was this bullet club that he's part of so i kind of started becoming a fan of his right before he left to come to nxt and they did 
right by him pretty much right away much like MSK they had a direction they had a vision he's gonna be this focal point of our promotion and when he got the title he was the man he was a fighting champ really held NXT to a he brought NXT up to a new level much like Charlotte Sasha Becky Bailey and he ushered in like the new generation where it wasn't so much just this development territory but the third established brand in WWE and I felt when he came up to the quote-unquote main roster they had the right idea making him the first ever universal champion he got injured and then it was kind of like eh, we don't trust this dude anymore and then he was kind of stuck in the intercontinental title picture and just becoming this smiling preening idiot who never really won anything came back to nxt had an attitude like prince devitt and he had a chip on his shoulder which i think is what he needed you know 2020 2021 um and he's done nothing short of deliver great matches on takeovers or just regular shows since then it's like yeah this is the guy who was doing it in nxt the guy who we hadn't seen on Raw or SmackDown. Now he's back to rule this kingdom. Pete Dunne has been somebody who is, who I started off kind of not sure about, but really have come in the last year or so to appreciate how good he is. And this is one of those deals where it's like, which way are they going to go? Because Balor has held the title for a second. He's, he's held off some really strong challenges from Kyle O'Reilly. Pete Dunne is probably the next guy in line who should get a shot, but maybe they want to do this thing where Dunne takes the title from Balor, then O'Reilly beats Dunne, then we get the match where O'Reilly has to prove himself against Balor in defending the title against him. So many directions. And Balor can have a good long feud with Pete Dunne if they want that. So it was like, okay, where are they going to go? And... Dunn and his cronies have already started banging out on Balor's arm and his fingers, so he's kind of coming in a little vulnerable. And he also has that established issue now with his jaw. And I love the idea of a champ having some vulnerability in every match where people can always target this. Like, hey, I'm going to go after your knee, but I know I can go after your jaw or I can go after your shoulder because you have issues with them. Those are established issues. Love that. And Balor started going, okay, we're going to go there. I'm going to go after your knee. I like that because there were lots of moves in Pete Dunne's arsenal. Like the, the, I mean, there's so many moves that he has that require him to use his, his legs, his knees. And, you know, his suplexes, his finishers, so many things. Like even the double stomp on the hands. So smart strategy from him. Lots of triangle holds, everything. It was another... It wasn't so much like the Gargano and Kushida match, but it had enough differences that they could play the submission game. I got you. I'm going to out-wrestle you. I'm going to get through this submission. And what I'm enjoying now about these modern NXT submission-focused matches, they're not boring. They're not just sitting there, sitting, resting. They're, like, actively trying to get out of the move. Like, I mean, hold up, hold up. I got to get out of here. I got to get out. It's a strain. It's a struggle. And that's the biggest difference between somebody just sitting in a chokehold for a minute a headlock for five minutes and nothing exciting is happening and there were so many times during this match where i was like i think dunn's about to win this joker and 
you know, and he hit that bitter end. I was like, well, that's it. He he has destroyed his fingers, his hands, and he's hit his finisher. That's it. And then Finn popped out and hits a power bomb. This is John Woo. I mean, it was just so much cool stuff going on. It was it was a nice back and forth between these two guys, and it was really a case of well, whoever's gonna win is actually gonna deserve it. And when we get this champion or Whoever wins will deserve to have been the champ. Um, then Ashley comes back. He does his thing. He takes out Pete Dunne's mouthpiece. Hits him in the with a drop kick to the face, which was cool because it's like, ah, he's he's been going after Finn's jaw this time, but without the mouthpiece, he's vulnerable all of a sudden in the mouth. Hits the coup de gras, and he already knows that that's not enough to get the win. And I like this because, yeah, I hit you with this move. And instead of wasting time going with the dramatic, oh, I can't believe he kicked out of my finisher. Let me cry for two minutes. He just immediately hits the 1916 and then gets the pin. So Finn retains his title and yet another cool notch in this Finn Balor reign. And they've already talked about how he's just been on a tear on takeovers in general. Unlike Johnny, who is in a ton of takeovers, Balor has a winning record. He's only lost one time. And that one time was when he was on his way out and he had to lose to Shinsuke Nakamura but that wasn't it for this show so Oni and Larkin come out they attack Finn so it's a three on one and Finn is of course wiped out can't do anything and after a pretty long beatdown the Undisputed Era come out so it's O'Reilly Cole Roddy come out and they save him run off Pete Dunne and his crew and Kyle is like doing this whole, yo, I respect you. I still respect you. You respect me. Hey, you know, we're, it's all about mutual respect here. And so he pulls him up. And then it kind of sort of seems like Kyle was potentially going, hey, you're on your own. Maybe you want to be with us. Be part of Undisputed Era. And so they all line up like maybe we're going to see Finn instead of throwing up the guns throw up the ue and just when finn puts his guns out adam cole hits him with a super kick and it is one of those whoa this is surprising and i know how everybody knows everything that goes on with with angles of course because they saw it coming a mile away but i didn't see it this was a nice surprise it was a real shocker but the real shock to the system pun so much intended was when kyle got in cole's face and there was no long pause. He just super kicked his boy and laid him out as well. And he leaves the ring and tells Roddy, come on. Roddy sits confused, like, which way am I going? And it ends before Roddy makes his decision. So much good TV on that because it leaves a suspense. It's a cliffhanger. Which way is Roddy going? Is this the end of the Undisputed Era? Was just this some Cole being frustrated? Will he and Kyle make good? And what is Finn Balor going to do next? This what happens next is what makes this show so good. Because the best shows like uh, Music City Showdown, Great American Bash 89, leave you with that question of, oh my gosh, this was a good show. But what is going to happen in the aftermath? And this aftermath has so much, so much potential. I am stoked, so excited to think about what they can do next. So I started thinking, of course, because I'm a, so much of a short-time sideline couch booker. So I started thinking it up. Lots of angles. Obvious one is Roddy goes with Adam Cole. 
and while Bobby Fish is on the sideline, we get the tag team match. Fish, Fish. We have Roddy Cole versus Balor, Kyle O'Reilly. They feud, and then they ultimately win the feud. O'Reilly goes, all right, so now we've teamed up. I just need one more favor. I need one more shot at the title. And then Kyle gets the belt. And I don't know what they do with Balor next, but then Kyle gets gets to become the champ for a while. Then he fights Adam Cole. And they defend it. Maybe that's when Cole gets the belt back. Who knows? Or, <laughs> this is one, because I've watched too much 90s wrestling. Maybe. This is a long-term setup by the UE. And, you know, they, they really have never been faces. They were kind of put in this position because Pat McAfee ran his mouth too much. And, you know, they've been doing this good guy thing. But they realized that being good guys doesn't really pay off for them. I mean, they lost in the Dusty Classic. And they lost to a mixed match team that had never really teamed before. So, maybe being the good guys, maybe better being the better people doesn't work. You know, a few years back, it wouldn't have been Pete Dunne, Oni, and, and Danny Birch going after Finn Balor. It would have been them. They would have been the ones that hurt Finn and took took him out instead of having his back. So maybe all of this has been like this long. Let's let's earn the trust of Finn Balor and let let's put a a sheep in the in the kingdom. And maybe we set up where you know Finn goes, hey. I need some help going against your boys. You with me, Kyle? And Kyle's like, of course, I've got your back. You know, they they set me up, too. And then we get this Sting, Ric Flair from 95. Gosh, it seems so long ago, but it's so fresh in my mind. Where Balor is going after the Undisputed Era of Cole and Strong, and he makes the big tag. And instead of helping, Kyle turns on Balor. And the Undisputed Era stands tall, leaves Balor lane. So then we have our big WrestleMania weekend takeover. Balor versus O'Reilly, who's firmly back to being committed to being a heel. He is right there with the Undisputed Era. And with their help, because he's been such a gracious one-on-one fighter in these first two matches with Balor. With their help, he wins, and he finally gets over that hump, and he's the new champ. And then, because, you know, I'm, I'm so long-term with this book in here, because there's so many different cool ways they could go with this. This is just another suggestion. This is when Finn Balor decides, I've had enough of this foolishness. I've been beaten up by everybody. My boys are on another promotion. I don't have any help. I'm going to go back to the one side that I know will be unstoppable. And this is when Finn Balor decides he's going to become the demon again and i think maybe you set this up way out to SummerSlam when when o'reilly versus balor four and it's o'reilly versus the demon i don't know i'm excited i i'm loving what nxt is doing i've been flip-flopping back and forth between which so show i watched last between nxt and AEW dynamite but after this show i am 100 percent sure that nxt is going to be the second show that i watch um yeah but again this show was amazing so many good matches the worst match was still decent enough that it was okay to watch and we had two really strong single championship matches two really good tag team matches and yeah I'm trying to think because you know we we get in this thing where we're ranking every takeover after the last one 
And I feel like this one was one of the strongest ones that I've seen, that I enjoyed all of it. I wasn't feeling like, ah, what are you guys doing? This one was just good. Had a good main event, really strong main event, which sometimes isn't always the case with these. Great main event and sets up so many storylines for the future. And I can't wait to see where they go with this. It's really exciting. Good time to be a fan of NXT. So if you caught it, let me know what you think, because I, I, I want to talk about this one with everybody else. So let me know what you think. And uh, thanks for listening to me ramble on about this. I am hoping at some point soon that I can just kind of do more of a breakdown on these Wednesday night shows while we still have a Wednesday night war going on. Um, but yeah, for now, really enjoy this. If you haven't seen the show, check it out. It's well worth it. And let me know what you think. This episode allows movie files. Has been filed.